gaining the freedom to achieve your dreams and goals comes down to soul health and a dose of courage. This is Don't Rush Me. Hey, I'm Maria Spear-Alice, and I hate rushing. It never yields good things to rush, whether it's rushing to finish a client project or rushing to put on eyeliner. But when we have 10,000 things on our minds at any given moment, it's hard not to fall into that habit. I've had a lot of very specific technical training in my life, hello music school and law school, but none of that training prepared me for being a business owner, a lawyer, a wife, a mom, or really just a functional adult woman with a huge to-do list. I'm no guru, but I created Don't Rush Me as a way to talk more about the slow, simple tools you can start using today to make your life and business life a little easier. So whether you're a healer, a coach, or a business owner, a professional craving that slowdown, come with me as we learn about the small, easy things that can make a huge difference in your mind, body, or business. Are you an established CEO of your own business coming up against a wall that you just can't bust through? Or are you an aspiring business owner with bills to pay and mouths to feed and you just can't see a path to the freedom that comes with living your dream life? If you're nodding your head or maybe wincing a little bit, you're going to love the conversation that I had today with Kirstie Horton. Kirstie is a veteran of the U.S. Air Force. She's a proud mother, a wife, a businesswoman, an artist, a speaker, and an activist. And she knows that balance is a conscious practice, but the joy and fulfillment from your passions should come with ease. And you know that I'm all about the ease. Kirstie's message is this. Freedom and success is something that you can define and create for yourself. Freedom itself can feel like a luxury, but Kirstie knows that the key to a life of sustainable joy, power, and pleasure, and therefore worth pursuing wholeheartedly. Kirstie is here to remind you of this truth and help illuminate a new path forward for you. In our conversation, you'll also hear a surprising turn that this conversation took around the topic of luxury and the blocks that come up for us around that topic. But before I get into my conversation with Kirsty, here is your holistic somatic history lesson on the lily. The lily is native to the Northern Hemisphere, but originated in the Middle East. It is abundantly used in folk medicine and has been since ancient times to relieve a variety of ailments, so many that I can't name them all, but I will link to a really interesting 2020 study listed in PubMed. In terms of its history, according to Encyclopedia Britannica, remember the encyclopedia? In Asia, the bulb of the lily was once cultivated for use in a medicinal ointment, and ancients raised the bulbs of the Madonna lily, aka the meadow lily, aka the white lily, for food. Ancient Greeks and Romans also grew it for ornamental and medicinal purposes. And speaking of Greeks, the lily shows up in Greek mythology. Here's how it goes. Zeus, who was the king of the gods, was said to have wanted baby Hercules to drink milk from Hera, who was Zeus's wife and goddess of marriage and birth and fertility. But also, oops, not Hercules's mother. Hera did not want to share her milk with Hercules since he wasn't her child. But in the middle of the night, Zeus brought Hercules to Hera to drink, and she woke up and pushed them away, and droplets of her milk hit the ground, and those droplets grew into lilies. 
In terms of medicinal uses, first you should know that the leaves, stems, and flowers can be very toxic, which cat lovers, you already know this. But in Chinese medicine, I believe it's the bulbs that are used for cystic disease and menstrual problems and addressing imbalances in the female re reproductive organs. I also found that it may be useful as a tincture for cuts and splinters. In terms of spirituality and symbolism, the most dominant meaning is purity and fertility. That's the most dominant meaning associated with the lily. That association with the Greek goddess Hera makes sense since she was the goddess of fertility. Hope you enjoyed that holistic history lesson. And now here is my conversation with Kirsty Horton. Hi, Kirsty. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Maria. How are you? So good. So good. It's so good to see you. We've known each other for some time now, but never been face to face. So it's so glad to, I'm so glad to see your face. <laughs> I know. This is awesome. I love it. <laughs> well, please, if you will, tell us, you know, who you serve and, and how it is that you got to doing the work that you do today. Yeah. So my market or the woman that it is that I serve is um, artists, really creatives, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, CEOs, um, aspiring CEOs. So um, I kind of realized that this was my niche in my area uh, when I was doing my own work, my own personal development work and stuff. And um, as I was doing it, I was like, okay, like first my work that I was doing was all around the, the artisan. So I called it the artisan way. And then as I continued to do my own soul, uh, soul health and discovery stuff, I realized, okay, it's not just the woman that's the artist, this is my dream. My dream, I'm an artist, I'm a creative, this is the way that I do it, but my background is still business and tech and all those things, so how do I merge it together? And how does that benefit or serve other women that are around me? And then I, I kept finding that the women that were asking me questions or that benefited from what I was doing were other women who were also like, oh, I have a dream, I wanted to, always wanted to do this, or I wanted to start a business doing this, or I have a business, but it's not going the way I want it to go or it's not, you know, in this area. So I'm like, okay, so here's my, here's the people that I'm really targeting that I'm really talking to. And I have the most fun being able to do that. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh. I mean, that, I, I, I feel similarly to you because you know what I do and it, it helps people to, okay, I've always had this idea to do this thing and I really want to do it. How about, how can I do it? It's so overwhelming. And so, um, I never, I never realized that connection, but there's definitely that connection. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I would love to hear how it is that uh, along your journey, you know, how, how you got to this place of talking about soul health, because I know that that's something that's important to you. And, and first, maybe answer the question, you know, what does soul health mean? Yeah, for me, um, soul health is all about, um, well, we know the soul is the mind, the will and the emotions. Um, and what I found is that so many people, especially now, you know, everybody's into different forms of spirituality and all kinds of things. And, you know, um, some people into religion and different things like that. And then physical health. So there's the whole workout movement and all those things. But I, as I was doing all those things, I realized something is still missing. You know, here's a spiritual piece. Here's this, the health piece. Here's all these dynamics. Why do I have all these dynamics and something is still deeply flawed or something still feels like it's not connected or whole. Then I realized, okay, I need to go in. So there's something internal, some internal work that I need to do. 
you know, I didn't realize it because I was just like, oh, you know, at this bright, shining moment where it just hit me, actually things just start falling apart. And I was like, <laughs> as my life was falling apart, I was like, what is happening? And I had no choice but to go inside and do, you know, deal with the things internally. So dealing with the soul and really dealing with like um, personal traumas, dealing with um, things that have happened to you that your body may have suppressed, um, dealing with your own desires, your own dreams, your own fears, uh, what things can hinder you, what things have been hindering you, what things can take you to the next level. So all of those pieces or whatever, and we kind of just dissect them in the work that I do. We start from, okay, what's the core fear or what's the core um, dream? You know, that we always say the big, fat, hairy dream that, you know, you're scared to talk about, you know, you don't mention it to anyone and you might've suppressed it so long ago, you tucked it away and doing something else that, you know, when you bring it out, you're like, I can't do that, you know? So going inside and doing that work so that you can actually build things that have meaning and that have value I'm all about that. So that's what soul health is. That's the overall view of it. That's so valuable, I think, because, you know, we have this as, as women who want to achieve, we have this idea of almost like a masculine, like, here's my goal. And here are the numbers associated with that goal. And here's, you know, the steps I need to take when really like you can put on all the jewelry you want, but if in, on the inside, you haven't worked on the foundation first and maybe the stuff that you kind of just want to like, I don't want to deal with that. I just want to get here. You know, I want to yeah. get here already. Um, I think that's really valuable work because you, you, like you said, you know, you can have these dreams, but if you don't address those things, you can get frustrated to the point of like, why am I, why isn't this not working? Exactly. Exactly. It always comes back up. You know, like you're saying, you can put on all the cute jewelry, <laughs> up you can do all the hair all the things you know and that's the thing for us as women I'm like come on we know like we are so good at making ourselves look amazing on the outside you know and then in the inside we're just like struggling sometimes you know mm -hmm. and I want us to feel and look and be as good as we feel on the outside you know as we can be on the inside so mm -hmm. all of that I find it so interesting I know that you're a veteran and um you know I know I, I I just said that goal setting can be kind of this masculine side. And I wonder how has that experience shaped kind of this more, you know, soul and luxury and ease side of yourself? Oh my gosh, the veteran. <laughs> Nobody ever thinks I'm a veteran. When they meet my husband, they always think, oh, you know, thank you for your service. <laughs> my husband, when they see me and they're like, no way, right? I'm like, yep, I'm actually the soldier guys. But <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, the the Air Force, which is the branch of the military I was in, taught me a lot of discipline. And um, I felt like I needed it at a young age. But it taught me how to focus on one set goal and like achieve that, like get to the the meat of what that goal is um, and just like drive depth into something. You know, and also it taught me like delegation and putting people in place so that, you know, this is where the, the luxury and ease component comes in, because sometimes it's. CEOs and aspiring CEOs, we can say, well, we can't afford to hire anybody. Like I can't afford somebody to do um, my bookkeeping or somebody to do admin or whatever it is for me, but it's really like, you can't afford not to do it. So you have to, or I can't afford to pay myself, you know? So all of these things, you, you know, they become your value system. Um, but as a veteran, a lot of the programs that I've entered or competitions or grants or different work that leadership work that I've done, I have to be like the primary person who's getting paid in the company. Like they have a set standard 
for what veterans have to, you know, have in place. And um, that really challenged me because before I was like working, had all these entrepreneurial dreams and I was working. And I'm like, I'm not ever going to pay myself. I'm just going to focus on building the business. And the the military was like, you know, <laughs> but, no. So it taught me, you know, the military taught me that structure and taught me those things along with my business degree. But the military really was like, this is this is the standard. This is what it needs to be like. This is what leadership development is. And um, that for me, that is like a level of freedom in that, a level of luxury and ease in that component right there, just to be able to delegate something to somebody else. Like, this is not my strength. I'm not good at keeping calendars. Oh my gosh, girl. <laughs> I have to have somebody to do that, okay? <laughs> I'm like, you know, I get like thousands of emails sometimes and I'm like, if I sit all day and I'm just checking emails, I will never get anything done work-wise or um, in the space of creating and giving the good stuff, the content and the things that I want to give to the people in the audience that I serve. So it feels like a luxury, but it's so necessary. It's, it's the luxury that we need. You know, mm -hmm. the, the luxury of time is what it is. Yes. Freedom, yeah. As business owners, as moms, I mean, time is so precious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that you said all of this because I've noticed you know, this, this, and it's, I love it. This kind of lean towards on Instagram or wherever, you know, business owners leaning into more of the, the, the soul side, the spiritual side, the feminine side. But I think, like you said, we can't forget about that structure because, you know, yin and yang, we need, all, we need all of it, but, um, kind of balancing and merging the two. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was talking with a friend recently and we talked about the the feminine and the masculine and how sometimes it can feel like, you know, everything is pro, like, you know, feminine, everything. But we're like, we got to have both. We got to have, like you're saying right now, we've got to have the structure, the discipline. And especially as an artist, if you're creative and artist out there, oh, you yeah, <laughs> any type of creative bent that you might have. Sometimes we can lean towards more of like, you know, we don't do well often with, we think we don't do well with the structure, but the reality is we actually need the structure, you know, we need the, the containment in some type of way. And then once we have that form, then we know we can move around from the form. Like mm -hmm. I do block scheduling. So it's really hard for me to do like, you know, back to back to back meetings. Mine are more like, here's a four hour block where I'm creating content or here's a three hour block where I'm just doing these type of things or whatever. And that helps me to be able to, you know, have some flexibility. And I feel like I'm cheating the system a little bit because I have a block and I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Instead of back-to-back -back meetings, which absolutely wear me out, you know? So I think you just find what, what works best for you, but you definitely need that discipline. Like that's the only way you're going to actually achieve those goals. I mean, from, from babyhood, from toddlerhood, right? Like they, they teach, they teach us. Your child needs structure so that they know they, they they can feel comfortable in that structure and then and then start to move with that, right? Right. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So what is I'm curious, you know, in your work with clients, are there is there a common thread that you see? Something that you have to work through with everyone or most everyone, something that you see that comes up a lot. With most women, okay, so there's two sides, there's two components. There's the woman who's aspiring, you know, she wants to be a founder, hasn't started her entrepreneurial dream just yet. And then there's the woman who is already the CEO founder. And there's two different things that I see in both of them. But for the woman who is the CEO and founder, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm working hard at this business and I can't get it to the next level, whether it's monetarily or 
you know, I've been doing it for so long and I really just don't honestly care about the work that it is that I'm doing it. I just, just a paycheck at this point. And, um, I don't want to do it, but it's like, it's bringing the income in and people are relying on me to do it. And if I stop now, then I'm starting over from scratch. You know, there's all those pieces. Mm -hmm. like, okay. You know, and a lot of times what I realized when I work with um, one of my clients is that, okay, what the problem is not always that you started a business that, um, that is not completely connected. There's like some hints of like, you know, your, your soul is saying, has led you in this direction a little bit. But the biggest thing is that they're not completely connected to it. They've just been running the rat race, the corporate rat race or whatever it is. And so that's the piece where we get in there and we do the work. What is it that you, you love about this work? You know, we do the business consulting side. We help them figure out. We do all the, the um, identity tests and the, the spirituality tests or whatever, you know, just some formation stuff to get down to the core of like who they are as a person. You know, in, in the business world, especially when we're talking venture capital and stuff, they want to figure out how you can get as disconnected from the company as possible, but it does not work like that when you're trying to create a company that is more socially driven and that cares about the world and things that, you know, that you're connected to. So those are really the type of women that I'm communicating with too. They want to do something that's meaningful and impactful. And then with the other group, the aspiring, their thing is really, they have kids, <laughs> you know, they're like me, you know, bills. Yep. Bills, you know, it's real life out here. They're like, you know, I cannot start a business. You know, I got this going on. You know, I'm excited about all the stuff that you're doing online, but how are you able to do this? Like, they want to know, like, they really want to know what the sauce is. Like, what's your sauce? How did you get it? You know, but I'm telling them that I don't have a special sauce. My sauce is I figured out who, what my soul is saying. And I've catered to that unique piece and I'm able to build, it doesn't matter what I build now because I know who I am at a deep soul level. So I build things based on that and I could build a million different businesses and they all have the, the same thread because they're connected. And so I'm like, I want you to find your sauce. I don't want you to replicate my sauce. That's not right. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what I find in both those, those sets right there. I, I feel like it, now's a good time because I know that you're you're also passionate about, you know, leading these women to a life of luxury, of ease, of abundance. And I feel like when you're talking about, you know, I just want to pay the bills or I want to take my business to the next level, something's holding me back. I, um, I was in this group coaching program last year and a thread that kept coming up was, you know, we secretly really want luxury, but we feel bad about it because yeah. we have these responsibilities. And it's like, I want, I want you to talk about, you know, that aspect of it because luxury is not bad. Right. Uh, right. so how do you, how does that, how does, how do we fix that mindset? Oh my gosh. I absolutely love that you asked that question because <laughs> I love things that are quality. That's the biggest thing. I think that's what luxury is. It's like things are quality. Things are made well. Um, there is a level of intentionality and ease and all those things to luxury, you know? Um, you see somebody driving a luxury vehicle. It's not about, let me stress it. It's not about the actual physical things. It is an internal drive too as well. But like when you see somebody driving a really nice car, you're like, oh, wow. You automatically attach status to and all these things too. And you're like, that's so nice. I can't wait to have or you see this really nice house. Oh, if one day I could have. But what you're attaching to that is like so, clearly somebody has the wealth or the access or the resources enough to be able to comfortably drive or comfortably live in those spaces. 
So really what it is, we want freedom. We want financial freedom. And it's like, okay, not to go buy all the Bugattis and all mm-hmm. the Mercedes in the world, but to just have, you know, the few the things, option. That, the option to be able to do that. Correct. Really quick, I wanted to hop in and mention something. So you know that my journey with all of this mind, body, and business-related stuff started with a little mindfulness practice, a little a little pre-work routine, if you will, because I used to start my day from a place of, I've got to get everything on my list done, sit down and work from that tight emotional place to kind of setting the stage and setting the scene for my workday, lighting a candle, closing my eyes, all of that stuff. Well, I've put together a little free tool for you that will help you to create your own workday warm-up. So if you head to heysomaria.com, you can take a little quiz and you will leave that short quiz with a way to warm up your workday that's most authentic to you. Again, go to heysomaria.com. That's H-E-Y-S-O Maria.com. So I think the next step when you want that that luxury and that ease component is that um, you really focus on the bigger picture of like what it is that you're trying to achieve when you get this. Because you can get things, again, like we're talking about something that feels like it's surface level, but you can get things and they don't have any real intrinsic value, you know, and it's just stuff. But we're women and we like beautiful things and we like like luxury and we don't want to feel bad about nice things. Um, In the work that I do with my clothing brand, um, that is something that I realized as well. I actually went to India and I was doing some work with uh, trafficking and different things like that. And I got to see behind the scenes of workers that were working in um, making garment, the garment industry. And so while I was there, I got to see that, okay, man, these women are not making very much money in this industry, like a dollar and 10 cent for a week of work. And they're working like 15 hour shifts and their kids are in here working for them and they're making our clothes. And I'm like, wow, they're sending this to the US and the UK and all these different places. And um, it just made me feel so bad about the things that I was buying. I'm like, oh, I I found a $2 shirt at the store. This is awesome. But I'm like, why is this shirt $2? Who made it? Mm-hmm. how it's deeply discounted all the things and then when I came back with the work that I was doing in fashion and with a clothing brand I was like I really have to look at the behind the scenes I have to make sure that I'm manufacturing in a way that considers all these components because I can't say that I'm for the thriving of women and women and the the impact of women and not consider these things and I'm like oh but I love luxury <laughs> you know I'm like I'm like, I don't, you don't have the selfish or the American mindset, but I'm like, I like things that are quality. Well, how can I do this? How can other women not feel feel bad about luxury? And I'm like, okay, here's what we do. I started looking at the way the clothes were made, but I started also um, producing with manufacturers who produce quality fabrics, but those fabrics are really expensive. They are extremely, I mean, they're sometimes triple, quadruple the price of something that you would get from China or something you would get, you know, from somewhere else that's you know, less of a lesser quality. And then the same thing when you decide to go this route and you're deciding to make sure that women are paid fair wages and they get insurance and they go home on time and they can take care of their families, that changes the game completely. Now this shirt that I would have designed and made that would have been $25 if I did it this way, this shirt now becomes like a $300 shirt. Or this suit, this business suit that I'm designing now becomes a $300 or $400 suit because 
it takes so much to actually make a quality garment now, but it's not just the garment. It is actually a piece that is, now you look at the piece and it looks completely different. It's a woman who made it, who is ethical, it's sustainable, it's quality made, you're gonna have it forever, you know, all the things. So when I think about luxury, I can't help but to think about sustainability. And I put it together and I'm like, okay, if I buy things that have purpose and meaning behind them, you know, and I'm like, I really, really like luxury garments. So I'm going to save and, you know, I don't buy a ton of clothes because honestly, surprisingly, I don't like to shop. <laughs> Everybody would think that I do, but I, I really don't like to shop. I like to draw, sketch and design things or whatever, but I don't like to be like actually in the store shopping. Um, but I look for, if I'm out and I need pieces, I'm like, is this quality? Can I have it for a while? And usually those pieces are going to be luxury. Like the things that I buy, they're usually going to be like that. And I'm also not buying them a ton because they are so quality. You know, I'm like, these are, these are good pieces. Um, even as far as house stuff goes, it's so simple, but I'm like, okay, I've started minimizing, getting rid of plastics. And so I use glass containers and, um, like the wraps that go over the food, the beeswax wraps instead mm -hmm. of all the plastic stuff. And it feels like a luxury because to be honest, if you're in a different place financially, this is something that's hard to do, but it can be a goal that, hey, I want to have more of a luxury lifestyle or, hey, I want to take trips. You know, that's leisure. That's like completely, that's my big thing. If I could spend most of my money on one thing, it would be <laughs> really, really nice trips to like Bali and Indonesia. Yes in some world-class resort somewhere for a week at a time. Speaking um, my language. <laughs> right, right. And as women who are business, you know, you know, we're busy building business and doing all the things, like, we don't want to feel bad about that because, you know, we're, you know, creating impact and we're creating jobs for, you know, the world around us and people around us. And we're helping our families and all these things. And, you know, we kind of have to tell ourselves it's okay to have nice things, you know? It's crazy because I don't feel like men have that issue as much as women do. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think you're right. Yeah. And I think too, like you're saying, you know, spending intentionally um, is a good, good thing to remember because it's not just, you know, there are so many, so many pros, things that will last. You're not going to throw something away after a summer. So it's good for the planet, it's good for the person who made it because they're actually getting a living wage um, or hopefully right. even better. And, you know, I, I, there's a lot of good to, to what you're describing. Absolutely. Of course, there's people that say, okay, luxury is dead, you know, when it comes down to clothing and all the things. I'm like, there is always going to be a group of people who lean towards the aspirational, you know, that's why you have brands like Nike and, um, coach or you have Balenciaga and different things, their, their main target, they have a target that's a certain group, but that is not the majority of who buys their stuff. The aspiring person <laughs> is really who's buying their stuff. And the aspiring person actually can't usually afford the product, but is like, I want something luxury. Like this is beautiful. This appeals to me. And I want it. It's that prestige factor that's there also. Yeah. So like it's luxury. It's made well. I'm going to have it for a while. Mm -hmm. And luxury, you know, it might mean something different to someone you, you mentioned, you know, in the home too. It's like, do I want to go to such and such warehouse and spend whatever on a new chair? Or do I want to go over here to this locally made, you know, artisan crafted chair that 
it's, it's just definitely going to cost more. It's but definitely going to cost more. Artisan yes. way. <laughs> yes. But that's a form of luxury too, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Well, I thought about this just now when you mentioned that, because um, this idea I get around luxury comes from my grandmother. Growing up, you know, we were, we didn't know that we were poor or we didn't, that we didn't really have because she always dressed so nice. She was a seamstress. She made her own clothes. Mm. Um, she made her kids clothes, you know, she made sure that we had what we needed and, um, she just never walked into a room and felt like she didn't belong, you know? And the older I got, I was like, wow, my mom and my grandma, like they wear, it was probably faux minks and all that type of stuff or whatever, but they would go to like, you know, um, secondhand stores and different things like that and get really, really cute, nice things. And, um, they just looked good, just as great as anybody else on TV and in the movies. And I didn't think that we didn't have what we needed. Um, but as I got older, I was like, wow, like they carried themselves in a way that was definitely like they had a lifestyle of luxury and a lifestyle of ease. And so I really think that it is a mindset. It's a mindset of abundance. You know, if you have this mindset of like, you know, well, I can't have and I don't deserve, then you start leaning really in that direction. But yeah. they had a different mindset. They didn't raise us like that. We didn't think like that. And so we... We grew up like, okay, we can have nice things, you know, and we grew up taking really great care of our clothes. Like, <laughs> like this is back when people were like starching creases in the middle of their pants, <laughs> starching creases and like, you know, matching all our clothes and making sure our hair was nice and everything was well put together. It's just, it really is a mindset too, more than it is like, you know, the things that it is. You can have a mindset of luxury that leans you into a lifestyle that is more of a lifestyle of, of freedom as well. For sure. That concept of, you know, acting as if and like feeling like you are, you know, maybe if you're in a place where maybe you can't afford that luxury yet, just like appreciating something that might not have cost you $300, but it cost you $100 and you're going to take better care of it and you're going yes. to feel different with it. Absolutely. That's it. You took the words right out of my brain. And made it way simpler than what I just said. That's no, it, 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 I think it flows in very well. Um, and I would love for you, um, just as kind of a final note, I know, you know, one of your beliefs is we all have a seat at the table. And I feel like women, whether they are, you know, kind of aspiring or they're in this place, they've had a business for a few years, but they feel that doubt coming in, like someone's already doing this or someone already does this, right? What's something that our listeners can, can take home and, and, and say, you know, you know what, how do I, how do I quiet that voice? Mm, that is so good. Um, there is nobody that can do what you can do. Like it is like a unique thumbprint and it doesn't matter how cliche or you've heard this a million times. It is the absolute truth. When you reconnect with and you your soul and you know who you are, nobody can do the thing that it that you do the way that you do it. It's just absolutely impossible. So there is a lane for you. You don't have to, there's a thing, second movers. You know, people come in after somebody's already done a thing and they capitalize on it or they do the thing that somebody else has done already. And that's great. A lot of our companies and businesses work that way. But however, we need innovation. We need ingenuity. We need people with bright ideas and we need your soul connected to what it is that you're doing. We need your unique thumbprint, your unique imprint on the world so we can actually create something beautiful. We can actually create change and have some things here in this, this earth that are 
not the same as everybody else is doing. So we we need it. We need it. You got it, and we need it. So yeah, <laughs> that's, yes. that's my, my spiel. Yes, well said. Well said. Well, um, tell us where we can find you, and how are you? How are you working with women right now? How can they connect with you? Yeah, so right now you can find me um, on Instagram at Kirstie Floor. It's K I R S T I E F L E U R on Instagram, um, and then my website is KirstieFloor.com. You can also book sessions with me on KirstieFloor.com. You can also take courses. Um, I have a soul health course available now on our platform. And the website for that one is the ffsocialclub.com. And you can go on there for right now. There's a seven-day free trial. You get to get in and try out, you know, the courses and communicate with some of the other women that are in the program right now. So, yeah, those are, are some of the ways you can catch up with me. Awesome. Well, I will definitely drop those links in the show notes. And Kirstie, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Maria. I hope you loved listening to that conversation with Kirsty as much as I loved chatting with her. And I'm curious if you had any thoughts when we were having that discussion on luxury or any of the blocks that she sees her clients go through. If if you would love to share them with me, I'm on Instagram at HeySoMaria. And I hope that you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so that we can keep on educating women on different ways that they can infuse more ease into their mind, body, and business. Until next time. This episode was brought to you by The Legal Apothecary. Hey! That's my business. I'm a licensed attorney, and my practice is the Legal Apothecary, which is a female-forward holistic legal service for creative women that want to focus on growing their influence and their gifts. And part of the Legal Apothecary is the Legal Apothecary Library, where I sell easy-to-follow contract templates for you to use in your business. As a podcast listener, use code PODCAST for a 22% discount on any of the contract kits that you find in the Legal Apothecary Library. Link in the show notes.